0: Some say the world will end in fire. Some say in ice. From what I've tasted of desire, I hold with those who favor fire. But if it had to perish twice, I think I know enough of hate to say that for destruction, ice is also great and would suffice. The story is that Robert Frost's famous poem, Fire and Ice, was inspired by his conversation with an astronomer named Harlow Shapley in 1919. When Frost asked him, you're an astronomer, tell me, how is the world going to end? Shapley explained that someday in the far, far future, one of two things is going to happen. Either the sun will explode and burn up the earth, or the Earth will end up slowly freezing in deep space. Well, in the almost 100 years, it is 100 years since 1919, these days astrophysicists have taken it a step further. They now believe that eventually, not just our Earth, but the whole universe will either freeze or fry. Because since the Big Bang, 13.7 billion years ago, the universe has been expanding. Scientists debate whether it's going to keep expanding until all the original heat is gone and everything is frozen out of existence, or if gravity will cause the universe to contract into one central point that will eventually turn into a hot fireball and blow up. Either way, freeze or or fry, the end is coming. It's gonna take a pretty long time. But as far as science can tell, eventually everything, everything comes to an end. The universe will be destroyed in something like 22 billion years. Life on Earth will disappear, they say, in less than a billion years. And you and me, well, let's just say it's going to be uh, considerably less than that. (laughs) Human nature being what it is, the first thing that comes to mind when we hear that the end is coming is, when? When is it going to happen? And so it was when Jesus told some people that their beloved and beautiful temple in Jerusalem was going to be destroyed. Naturally, they asked him, teacher, when? When will this be? What will be the sign that this is about to take place? You know, as usual, when Jesus talked about the end of things, he didn't give them an exact date, but he did give them some signs to watch for. Wars, earthquakes, famines, plagues, disturbances in the heavens, and most significantly, the arrest and persecution of believers. Now, the frustrating thing is, these things are happening somewhere pretty much all the time. If that's your checklist for the end times, check, 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 you can just check it all off. The end must be coming soon. Exactly when we cannot know, but soon enough that now is the time to start worrying about it. And after we ask when, the second question we have about the end times is always well, how? For the earth, will it be fire or ice? For the universe, will it be freeze or fry? For my own personal end, I want to know whether it will be sudden or slow, painful or painless, scary or serene. The biblical answer to the how question seems to be, it all depends. Not on biology, not on physics, but on our relationship with God and our neighbor. And so the prophet Malachi warns the wicked and at the same time reassures the righteous, see the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evil evil doers will be stubble. The day that comes shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts. So we know Malachi was on the fry side of the debate. But he says, for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. So maybe when and how aren't really the best questions for us to be asking about the end. Whether it's the end of the universe or the end of our days here on earth, the really important questions are, what shall I be doing in the meantime, and who will be with me when the deal goes down? What should we be doing between now and the end? Prepare to bear witness, says Jesus. You're gonna be put on trial, but you don't need to prepare a speech for your defense. You will have an opportunity to testify, and I will give you the words and the wisdom that you need when the time comes. Let your life be a testimony to truth and justice. Keep the faith, and by your your endurance, you will save your souls. And then St. Paul's message to the Thessalonians is something similar, really. Some of them apparently thought that maybe the end of the world had already come, so all they had to do was wait for the Lord to snatch them up into heaven. No need to work, no need to worry. But no, says Paul, such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and earn their own living. What are we supposed to do in the meantime between now and the end of our days? Brothers and sisters, do not be weary in doing what is right. Surely for us, doing what is right includes responding to the ecological crisis that threatens to make parts of the world uninhabitable for our children and our grandchildren. The end is coming, but we shouldn't be making it come sooner by our wasteful negligence of the Earth's resources. The end is coming for us all. We need to acknowledge that reality and let it make a difference in the way that we live. The end is coming, but our primary focus should be on the here and the now. I think that's actually the beauty and the power of Robert Frost's poem about fire and ice. He starts off talking about the way the world is going to end out there. Some say the world will end in fire. But he quickly shifts our attention to what happens every day in the human heart. For anyone consumed by the craving fires of desire or frozen in the cruel ice of hate, spiritual death has already come. But if we persist in doing what is right, if our lives are a testimony to what is good and beautiful and true, we will endure for the salvation of our souls. Which brings us to the final question. Who will be with us at the end? God doesn't promise us that we're going to live in this world forever or that we will escape fire and flood and famine or avoid illness and pain. Instead, the promise is that at the last day and every day between now and then, God will be with us through it all. I've spent time with many people who were in the process of dying, but the only person I have been with right at the moment of death was my mother. She was 92 and had been dealing with various ailments for a long time, so we had talked a lot about the death that we both knew was coming. Naturally, she had anxieties about the experience. She'd asked her doctor all the questions about when is this going to happen and how is this going to happen? But as the time drew near, she was ready, or as ready as any of us can be. That last evening, my wife Sarah and I were with Mother in her room at the nursing home as her breathing became more labored and she slipped in and out of consciousness. We prayed the litany for the dying and commended her to God. Into your hands, O merciful Savior, we commend your servant Mary Ruth. Acknowledge we humbly beseech you a sheep of your own fold, a lamb of your own flock, a sinner of your own redeeming. Receive her into the arms of your mercy, into the blessed rest of everlasting peace, and into the glorious company of the saints in light. After a few minutes, we thought that Mother was drifting off to sleep when suddenly her eyes opened wide and she lifted up her head to look toward the ceiling, and then she just said, Oh, oh, and very soon after that she died. Now, I don't know what my mother saw in that final moment. And I know that everyone's experience of death is different. But whatever she saw, I could tell that she was both comforted and somewhat surprised. I believe that the promise of the presence was fulfilled for her, as it will be for us and for our world whenever the end of time will come for all those who honor God's name, for every loving creature that ever was or shall be, the Son of righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings.